Welcome. You're listening to Living Faith Podcast. Starry sky and see your hand in time and mind to lead me through the night. I'm going to see how many of us can take what we have already received, what we have already understood, how God has already challenged and blessed, and recognize, you know what God just did for me in the first part of this service? He kind of stirred up my heart a little bit. He kind of opened up the ground a little bit. He's got some more to kind of take me into and show me and to expand me. Everybody with me here today? Okay. I'm going to preach for a little while and We're going to look to the book of Jonah, and we're going to have a time of prayer. I am convinced God is not finished. I feel completely and confidently that the Lord is purposefully, purposefully stirred already some hearts and minds in the first part of this service. I believe that if we will allow the power of God's word and the anointing of his holy presence, freedom in our spirits, people will be eternally changed in this world, not just for the rest of their life. In this world, mindsets can be altered by the presence of God. Lord, not by this man's will and concern, Not to verify anything that I would say or hope or pray for. Validate your word in this house today. Move in lives, Lord, in ways that we cannot explain. Have your way today in men and women, Lord, that leave us, Lord, shaking our heads and wonder at your power and your glory, O oh God. Change us for your glory and your betterment and your amusement and your powerful peace and joy today. Huh. Lord, do the things that only you can do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Turn to somebody as you're seated and say, I I believe God would talk to me today. Why don't you do that? Greet a few people. Say, "I I believe God would talk to me today. Thank you very much. Amen. Amen, amen. Brother Drew, I don't know if we have the slide yet. We still need to create the slide during the marching of the offering that says... Advanced ticket seats available at offering you're free to move forward. We need that slide so that when people move out, we we are able to move forward as we can. This week, perhaps you noticed, a federal indictment accused wealthy people of purchasing college entrance for their children. The accused parents believe that A degree from an elite university was all that their children needed for future success. And so they faked student resumes, they faked athletic histories, unfounded claims. 
Evidently, parents were not as concerned about the education of their children as the identity associated with an elite institution. All for the ability of a child to say, I have a degree from USC or Stanford or some other college. Parents wanting a name for their children that they couldn't achieve on their own merits, all for identity. I have a pastor friend of mine on the East Coast. His father founded the congregation, started it from scratch. And that founding pastor, before he entered ministry, he really was a rocket scientist. The son is a friend of mine, and the son also enjoys multiple degrees from elite universities. How do I know this? Because typically within 60 seconds of a conversation with him, he will mention Harvard. <laughs> Identity. Who are you? My wife and I have recently watched a, a few episodes of a show on Netflix that highlights unusual home interiors. A couple of the homes that stick in my mind are, are sports-related interiors. One show highlighted a home in the Chicago area. The basement is entirely and remarkably dedicated to the Chicago Cubs. Tens of thousands of dollars spent, weeks and months of dedicated and continual remodeling for the ultimate fan club sports cave. Identity. Who are you? We're the ultimate Cubs fans, they would say. There's a home on that show in Canada that is a similar space devoted entirely to hockey. It's so elaborate that the floor of their whole basement is wooden, wooden hockey sticks. The owner estimates they have $200,000 worth of hockey sticks just in the floor. In summary, the son said of his dad and their home, hockey is pretty much all that we are about. Years ago, while praying with people at the front of a, a small church, actually in far northern Canada, I met Kate. Kate is a teenager, and she was around others who were praying, and Kate seemed out of her element as others were praying around the front. Tears were were pouring down Kate's open eyes. She didn't seem to know how to pray. When I asked Kate about her experience, do you know about church, do you know how to pray, she smiled and replied, my family doesn't attend church, we just play hockey. Identity. Who are you? Hockey was pretty much all those families were about. One day last week after dropping my wife off at work, she works at a retail complex south of here, I, 
I, I dropped her off and I walked around the corner to a coffee shop to buy her a coffee for her shift. And the barista who waited on me, she struck me as a, a common person. She had a smooth complexion, no makeup, straight brownish hair put up in that messy style ladies are doing today. Her name, her name was also common. Perhaps it was Melissa or Mary. I was struck. I thought to myself, here is what some would call an old-fashioned girl next door. Until she turned and revealed her left ear. I don't remember seeing more hardware on one ear in my life. There were rings entirely around the perimeter of her ear. Every space inside her ear had rings or pins or posts. Her ear looked entirely silver. Identity. Who are you? On our day off this week, my wife and I wandered into a coffee shop near Green Lake, an unfamiliar place, and we walked up the counter, and the young man serving was just an incredibly polite guy, very well-spoken, genuinely kind. We enjoyed the conversation. The inside of his ears were tattooed. I've never seen that. Identity. Who are you? You know, when Jonah is introduced at the beginning of his namesake book, he's simply called Jonah the son of Amittai. In other places we find he ministered during the rule of King Jeroboam II. It's likely that the original readers of Jonah knew who Jonah was by his reputation. So no background's given, no introduction is given about Jonah. But this prophetic book, the book of Jonah, is different than other prophetic books. Other prophetic books include a number of prophecies given by the prophet. This prophetic book has one prophecy and the rest of it is about the prophet. We can read the book and recognize God used Jonah to reach Nineveh. But as we read through the whole book, it becomes apparent that God used Nineveh to teach Jonah. Particularly today, I want you to notice this passage. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 7. This is an interaction with the sailors when Jonah got in the boat. Bible says, Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Notice what they asked. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They asked Jonah. And Jonah answered this in verse number 9. I am a Hebrew. And I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, 
who made the sea and the land. Essentially, the sailors are asking Jonah three things. What's your purpose? What's your place? And what's your race? They asked him identity questions. What's your nationality, they asked. In other words, who are your people? Socially speaking, who is your community? They asked, what country are you from, Jonah? What's your physical place and space? Where are you most at home? Where's the location where you belong? And they asked, what's your line of work? What is your purpose, Jonah? The questions are about identity. The sailors asked Jonah, who are you? Now, here's the thing. Though the sailors question about his nationality, his race, comes last in their line of questioning, Jonah answers that question first. I am a Hebrew, he replies, before anything else. The order of his response is important. How many have been asked some questions by people and say, listen, I'm going to ask you a question. Give us the first answer that comes to mind. Because we want to see what, not what you're thinking through, not what's appropriate, not what people want to hear, but what's really on your mind. Now, I want you to notice Jonas, Jonah is in the middle of a storm in a boat that's about to sink. He's been sleeping. A bunch of frustrated sailors come into his place of rest, shake him, wake him up, and they go with this rapid-fire sense of questions. And the first thing in Jonah's mind when they say, Who are you? He says, I am a Hebrew. One scholar put it like this, Since Jonah identifies himself first, Ethnically, then religiously, we can infer that his ethnicity is foremost in his self-identity. In other words, Jonah's personal identity was above his God identity. His human relationships took precedent over his God relationships. In this demanding, intense moment when his identity mattered most, they said, who are you? And it netted this response, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord. Jonah's primary identity was his social network. I believe that Jonah's identity order was at the root of his personal problems within this book. The sailors are at wit's end. They ask him what to do. Here's what Jonah says, throw me into the sea. His solution to the vicious storm was his own death at sea. When he's sinking into the depths of that stormy sea, Jonah blamed God. And he said, you threw me into the ocean. You drove me from your presence. When Jonah's own decisions went bad, he blamed God. Later, when the Lord changed his mind and he decided, I'm not going to destroy Nineveh like I previously declared, Jonah told the Lord this, just kill me now, Lord. 
I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Hear me, at the very conclusion of this book, Jonah's sitting on a hillside. There's a scorching, wind-blown heat, and his final recorded words in this book about him to God, he says this, death is certainly better than living like this. God tries to calm him down and says, Hey, man, it's just a dead plant. Should you be that angry? And Jonah replies, Yes, even angry enough to die. Those are his final recorded words. Here's what I wonder. How could a man who had a relationship with God, he heard God's voice, he heard God's call, How could a man who did things on God's behalf, this wasn't the first time he prophesied, he was a prophet of God, known among his people as used of God. How could a man with a relationship and a purpose previously with God now have a death wish? How does that happen? I wonder about things like that. I believe that Jonah's death wish suggests he had lost something that had replaced God as the main joy and the main love of his life. Yes, Jonah had a relationship with God, but there was something for Jonah that he valued more than God. The Lord was subordinate to Jonah's nationalism, that identity. The Lord was there, but he's, he's farther down the scale than his identity as a Hebrew. He wanted a victory for his people more than a victory for God and God's plan. So he said, death is certainly better than living like this. Regardless of what God wanted, Jonah was totally focused on his own role and his own performance and his own success or failure among his people. God's grace, here's the way Jonah Jonah saw it, God, your grace is damaging my reputation among my people. In Jonah's view, God's action wrecked Jonah's performance. And performance for his people, for his social network, that was Jonah's primary identity. I am a Hebrew. And so I would tell you this afternoon that Jonah suffered like any other performance-driven human would suffer. You see, low-level God identities, when God is down the list somewhere, explains why those who profess Christianity can be racists. It explains why those who profess Christianity are greedy materialists. When I elevate a performance identity, it explains why those who know God can still be addicted to beauty 
or to pleasure. When, when God identity falls down the list before our human identity, those who hear God can still be filled with anxiety and prone to overworking. And all of this comes because instead of God's love, we have elevated society's power and society's approval and society's comfort and control. And when those are the real roots of our self-identity. We're no different than any other human. When we take on the same identity as those who don't know God, we are destined to suffer the same struggles as those who don't know God. You know, when human identity becomes our primary identity. We are also challenged by human comparison. In writing to the disciples at Corinth, the Apostle Paul was really direct. In fact, the Bible can be so direct. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, the Apostle Paul is really direct about the dangers of human comparison. He says this, Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. Here it is. How ignorant... Mm. Paul didn't graduate from the politically correct academy. Comparing themselves with each other, using themselves as the standard of measurement. Can I simply remind us, those of us all continuing in the human challenge, comparing has dangerous end games. Comparing with each other does two things. It inflates identity arrogance. I get an improper worthiness because I'm comparing. The other thing comparing does is it exaggerates identity depression. I get an improper unworthiness. When I start comparing myself with other humans, I can elevate myself better than I really am. When I start comparing myself with other humans, I deflate myself more than I really am. When I'm in the comparing to humans business, we say things, we think things like this. I'm smarter than you. Or I'm dumber than you. I'm prettier than you. Or I'm uglier than you. We say or think things like I'm poorer than you. Or I'm wealthier than you. I'm a bigger failure than you are. I'm more successful than you are. I'm more spiritual than you are. I'm more carnal than you are. I'm stronger than you. I'm weaker than you. I'm slower than you. I'm faster than you. I'm more naive than you. I'm more experienced than you. 
Comparing inflates identity arrogance, and it exaggerates identity depression. When we become victims of human comparison, we think and say things like this, well, I'm Hispanic and you're not. I'm Asian and you're not. I'm Nordic and you're not. I'm Eastern and you're not. I'm Western and you're not. Or like Jonah, I'm Hebrew and you're not. As one author wrote this, if my worth is based on my accomplishments or my ability to do certain things, then when I am stripped of those things, I have no worth. It's critical that we understand and affirm the worth of every human is based solely on the reality of God's love for people. It's critical that we live and understand my value, your value, every human's value isn't based on comparison. It's not based on performance. It's based on a loving God. In 2 Corinthians 10, 17, Paul explained true worth this way. He said this, As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. That's the viewpoint Paul had and knew years earlier when he's on Mars Hill and he's talking to a bunch of philosophers and he says this, In Christ we live and move and exist. We are his offspring. Paul talked to the thinkers of his day and said, listen, fellas, nothing wrong with being smart, but if you're going to put yourself up on this hill like some kind of intellectual, you better know that doesn't set you apart. We are only valuable in Christ. We live in Christ. We have value. To the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 3, beginning at verse 26, here's what the Bible says in Galatians 3, 26. You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on the character of Christ like putting on new clothes. Verse 28, look, there is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying, hey... When you take on my name, when you are filled with my love, when you are baptized in the name, it's no longer comparison. There's no longer performance issues. There's no longer us and them. It's we. We are all one in Christ Jesus. <laughs> 29, he said, now you belong to Christ. 
You are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. I, I preach today that followers of Christ, we don't focus on our own strengths, our own attainments, but our status is in Jesus Christ. God's love in Christ has got to be the most important source of our self-worth and our identity. Oh, hear it today. I'm not preaching an end to human identity. I'm preaching a repositioning of human identity. I'm saying uh, it's okay to recognize your race and your nationality and whether you're a man or a woman and thank God for successful careers. All that is okay and fine, but it can never be number one because when it's number one, I can suffer like those of Jonah with an improper identity. Instead, uh, we are now God's children first and foremost. I pray I'm never fired from this job, but if it happens, I'm still a child of the King. My identity is in Him. Paul said, in Christ we live and move and exist. We are His offspring." I preach to this performance culture in the world in which we live and those of us who live in this world who are accidentally impacted by its culture and unfortunately like Jonah can be hobbled by human identity and and driven by comparison performance that my value only lasts if I get a certain number of promotions and wind up at a certain place in this world and, and I'm only valuable if I get so many rewards on the athletic field and I'm only worthwhile if there's so many parchments on the wall from my degrees and achievements I preach today. Hear the words of Jesus Himself in John 15 and verse 9. Jesus said, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Oh, today, hear and know and understand that's what matters John declared in 1 John 4.10 this is real love not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins the message of God in Christ declares to each of us that will hear and receive and respond humans have value because God values humans. To, to individuals, the Lord would speak into our spirits clearly today. Hear me. You've got value, God says, because I value you. The love of God pleads with ordinary humans. Stop. Stop succumbing to the merely human identity. Stop, stop. Stop falling prey to human comparison. The Lord would plead with you and I today, put an end 
to the never-ending competition of what he's done, she's done, and I've done. God would say, stop living your life just to perform and to measure up to some human in your current or past life. Listen, people who don't have God experience are living and dying by those dead-end practices. And Jesus would call to his followers and say, Hey, you don't have to do that. Instead, look to me. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I was watching something a couple of weeks ago. I made a mental note and then a physical note. and Consequently, I want you to watch an interview clip right now. Before they started, it illustrates, I believe, the human tragedy of following performance. There's going to be a pause where there's a picture of the man talking at his youth with his wife and his dad. You won't be able to hear the interviewer, but the interviewer says these words. Did it hurt your feelings that your dad was your secret admirer and would never tell you? Listen and watch this clip of drag racer John Force. Okay. 
Drag racer John Force, 16-time funny car champion driver, 20-time champion owner. He's one of the most dominant drag racers in the sport, 149 career victories. He and his racing daughters, three of them, are collectively known as the first family of drag racing. Even so, at 69 years of age, John Force is still racing says he won't stop. He says later in that video, I'll die in a funny car. His human identity seems stuck in comparison. Perhaps he's constantly racing on a performance wheel round and round, attempting to win human approval. Maybe the approval he never heard from his dad. Performance. Comparison. Chasing a merely human identity. Whether or not we do this because of our home life, because of today's predominant culture, or just the mere weakness of human condition. Comparing ourselves with each other cannot bring the fulfillment we find in Jesus Christ. Yes, the Bible encourages us again and again to do good, but hear me, the, the core message of the Bible insists that doing good things is not what makes us valuable in the eyes of God. Each one of us have value because He loves us. Not what I've already achieved, not what I will achieve, not my good deeds, not my performance. He loves me, the person. It's God's hope today that everyone in the sound of my voice realize that truth, that truth. Make this truth our primary truth and live in that truth. According to the Apostle Paul, this is what he said, we know, we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love.
If you read the books and the letters of Paul, there was no one more convinced that it didn't matter how smart he was or what he accomplished, how many books he wrote, how many churches he planted. What mattered was the love of God. Nobody in Scripture more profoundly makes that point. You know how the man knew the love of God? Well, he shared his insight to the Roman church. We know because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You're here today and you haven't previously experienced the love of God, his unearned favor. I invite everyone here, now, today, let God love you. Stop, stop trying to be worthy. Stop trying to earn Christ. In a few moments, we're going to pray, and I would invite you to ask God, Lord, saturate me with your love. If what I'm hearing and feeling today is real, let your love overwhelm me, and you will begin to feel the love of God and respond to it in prayer. Watch what happens. If you've yet to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, identified with him, taking on that name, we can baptize you in the only saving name of Jesus today. To those who know God, but as I spoke, as I shared these things of the human experience of Jonah's challenge, you recognize in your own lives, I, I've been battling with the human condition. I've been, I've been fooled and duped by human comparison. Can I invite those today? Listen, allow God further saturation into your life. Let him get deeper into your spirit, into your thoughts, into your attitudes. Can I challenge you today? We know the love of God by his Holy Spirit within us. And if I have not allowed the Spirit not to fix a problem, not to just correct an error, not to just get me some goosebumps, but to saturate me with his love anew and afresh, to remind me of my worth and my value to an eternal God, can and I encourage and inspire and compel you today. Let God saturate you anew and afresh and often in his love. Would you bow your heads if you're comfortable, if it helps you to think about God? Would you maybe close your eyes? I'm going to begin to pray over this audience. I invite you to pray with me in your own words, or in your own way, or just validate what I'm praying. Jesus, I, I mean what he's saying. Apply that to my life. But I invite you in your own way to have a conversation with God about why we matter. Who, who are you? Heavenly Father, God of love and all grace,
permeate minds and hearts and lives in this house today. Validate your word, Lord. I have not shared my own thoughts and my own concepts, but your holy writ today. Minister, Lord, in every pew, in every aisle, Lord, speak into every life again anew and afresh. All who are willing, all who are desirous, all who are hungry, O oh Lord, for your love to touch their lives. Speak into every life right now, Lord, I call on you. Minister, O oh God, to us, Lord, frail humans caught up in this human race of comparison and performance. God, would you revisit in my spirit and my friends and fellow disciples' spirit, Lord, your love today. As you sense the love of the Lord ministering to you, perhaps would you raise your hand right now and in your own way begin to speak to the Lord in this place. New follower, old follower, young follower, frequent follower. Come on, would you just raise your hand and begin to talk to the Lord in this place right now? Would you allow the love of God to sweep over your life and into your soul? Come on, that's beautiful right now. Oh Lord, hallelujah, come on. Come on, quit putting yourself down. Quit giving excuses. Quit talking yourself out of it. The Spirit of God is reaching for men and women, young and old, Come on, society may have cheated you. Somebody may be keeping you down. Perhaps there's somebody you've been racing, nor dead or alive, but feel the love and the power of God speak into your life right now. Come on, talk to the Lord in this place. Come on, Mom. Come on, Mom. Come on, Mom. Not every mom is like all of the posts on social media. Not every mom is able to book, book, bake and cook and keep everything all clean and spiffy and all the kids are gorgeous angels. Come on, Mom. Quit comparing yourself. Realize you are a loved child of a holy Savior. He has His eyes on you. He's got His hands on you. He is ministering in you. You have value. You matter. Allow the love of God to speak to you. Come on, Dad, things ain't played out the way you thought, and where you are in your career isn't where you figured it would be, and how it looks toward retirement ain't maybe the way you had planned out, and you're wondering and questioning and evaluating. Listen, that doesn't what matters most. God would speak into your life right now. I love you. You matter to me. Your soul matters to me. I want you to be with me in eternity. Come on here and receive it today. Come on, elder, hear the Spirit of the Lord here this afternoon. Your body's not as strong as it once was. You need to sleep more than you used to. Even in ministry, you're not able to do what you used to do, and you begin to weigh your ministry performance as value to God. But the Lord would speak to you. You matter because you are my child. 
Your value is in your soul that I created and formed and I will call back to me. Stop pursuing men's comparisons and performance and, and live and dwell that you are my child and I love you. Young lady, your life, your social media is filled with friends' posts. This is a world full of selfies. Getting the right lighting, getting the right hair, getting the right clothes, getting the right complexion, getting the right pose, and a fakeness and a falsehood presented electronically like their lives are all together. And if my selfies don't measure up, and if my pictures aren't as liked as much, and I don't have as many followers, I don't matter. That is a lie from the pits of hell. The Lord would speak into your life today. You are beautiful as you are. Your value is in the love of God your value is that he cares for your soul he wants you to spend eternity with him you matter because of the love of Christ as it's appropriate in this place maybe take the hand of somebody next to you friend or family I want you just to be to begin to pray the love of God upon that person beside you would you do that right now just begin to pray the love of God just begin to pray the overwhelming and saturating love of God on your friends on your family on somebody nearby come on speak faith into somebody's life right now You've been listening to the Living Faith Everett podcast series. Tune in next week for the next part of this series, or join us online at livingfaithministries.church. Flows, and the Holy Ghost.